0: blood alone moves the wheels of history yes yes oh man hello and welcome to let's fix this my name is andy moore i'm one of your hosts i'm here with scott melson What's up guys? How are You're, you? Your other host. <laughs> I am your other I'm your
1: other host. Every week we totally botch that. Yeah. It's amazing we have more than two listeners. Yeah. It's At least true. three. That's true. We do. I met a third I met the third one this week. He's third a, listener. He's a cool guy. He's a cool guy. Was it your dad? It was not my dad. My dad does not listen to the podcast. I think my dad does either. I don't I've not been able to, I think, adequately explain to my parents what a podcast is. Oh. My I think my mom listens on Facebook and so my dad might hear it in the room. Like, they understand it's like a radio show that you can take with you, but neither one of them, like, it's, do that. It's radio on demand. Do people call it that? And I'm just not aware of it. I don't think so. I
0: So from what I hear from my entrepreneurship professors, the whole on-demand phrase is played out and not widely uh, respected or used anymore in the tech industry. Well, I mean, they would
1: probably know.
0: I would think. That's why they get paid the big bucks. Do they? Yes. <laughs> really? Yes, they do. <laughs> so, Maybe so the- not from the university, but in their private ventures, they uh, doing okay. okay. I
1: was like, because the bio professors, not so much.
0: Okay, so today we are testing out a new format. Scott has been so gracious to kind of uh, actually prepare in advance a, uh, a script for us, or at least an agenda, and that is two steps better than what we usually have, if we have anything at all. So,
1: congratulations, all of our listeners. We might... Stay on topic this week. Well, you know, there's. I think kind of what prompted me that there's so much to talk about, and I feel like doing it this way, we may actually get through more information. And I also want to point out, um, many of you, I think, saw that we had a blog post last week that's going to become a regular theme. So every Friday when we post the pod, by Friday afternoon, I hope, Friday afternoon, Saturday morning, there will be a blog post that will recap kind of what we spoke about on the pod. It'll have links to some articles that we feel like are worth your time to kind of delve into and read more in depth about what's going on in Oklahoma, as well as kind of preview what we think is going to happen in the legislature next week and, you know, tentative topics that we're going to talk about on the pod. So shall we dive right in?
0: Let's dive in. I know you've got a few things that are kind of outlined for us here. Do you want to go in order? Because things have been developing as we were setting up today to record. We're recording on Thursday, uh, late afternoon, about 4.30. And literally, when we sat down at 4 o'clock, they were in J-Cab. And by the time I got my...
1: Laptop started, they were out of JCAD. Yeah, the fastest j meeting in history. Yeah, I think let's just kind of start at the beginning, work our way through, and then we'll finish up with some of the new kind of late-breaking late, yeah. developments. That sounds great. The other thing I want to say is that this is really our first episode since
0: Session started, because last week we did it with the State of the State, and, and that was it. And then at the very end of the week, a few things kind of happened. No, really, it was Monday. It was
1: this week. Yeah. So we knew about it on Friday, and then it really came to fruition on Monday- what a let's what, start there. What a first week it's been. So um, we're gonna start out uh, start out this week with just a few things that we've been reading, things that I think are really worth your time um, to kind of delve into. And as I said, don't try to like you know don't like get in a wreck trying to put this in your phone while we're talking because this is all gonna be on the web uh, tomorrow. So first thing um, from Oklahoma Watch. Oklahoma Watch has a great article this week talking about the step up plan. One of the things we're gonna dive into later in the pod is what happened with House Bill ten thirty three why it failed, and what that means. 1033 is the step-up revenue plan, or part of it anyway. The, they voted on this past Monday and failed. Yes. Actu- well, if we're getting real technical, it didn't fail. It passed. However, it failed to meet the 75% threshold. Uh, okay. But it did actually pass the House by That's a vote of uh, 63 to... Not enough. Yeah. If you're looking for a, a great kind of long-form article that kind of recaps... Exactly what happened with Step Up on Monday. Oklahoma Watch has that for you. They recapped the floor Q and A. They recapped the debate and the vote. Um, a lot of great social media posts in there, kind of giving it giving it to you uh, what was going on uh, in real time. Features a Twitter post from our own uh, Andy OKC is uh, oh, featured in the article. Yeah. I not read it yet. That's exciting to hear. <laughs> yeah. Look so, at me. So Andy's in there. So that'll, that's kind of the first article this week that we thought was really worth your time from Oklahoma Watch. Next is an article from Non-Doc. So this is teachers to lawmakers. What's the better plan? A lot of what happened on Monday is that some lawmakers, Democrats and Republicans, were saying, you know, we need to not vote for this because there are much, much better options. Well, as the week has gone on, a lot of people in public service generally, but especially education have been, all right, so this got voted down. Um, but you're saying that you're saying there's a better plan. You know, you're saying there's a chance, show me what the chance is. And so non-doc has a great article that is kind of talking about how teachers are feeling about this debate that, uh, happened on Monday and the bill ultimately not being signed into law. Sorry.
0: I was reading my tweet on the, uh Wow, thing. look at that. Look at it, his own oh, press. I, I look said, at it, his own press on the on the show. I was curious. I, it was about that there was really good debate during the during the debate. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like both sides yeah. were really making good points that were pretty valid and kind of pulling on the heart strings and even the common sense strings, whatever those are, probably a cello. That it was making sense as they talked about it. And I think there were a lot of people, maybe
1: not those on the House floor, but a lot of folks that felt in the middle about the debate and... Felt conflicted. It's one of the better debates that I've seen. Of all this time I've spent uh, glued to my computer trying to get the house screen to unfreeze uh, or the house uh, feed to unfreeze, this was one of the better debates that, that we've had in a while. So if you need more reason to be depressed or you need further convincing that Oklahoma has a problem with revenue and how we manage our money to state, there is a, an article from the Enid News and Eagle this week. <laughs> Really, it's really a great paper. The Enid, Enid News and hey, it's a good any, paper. Any of our listeners from Enid, you guys have a great local newspaper.
0: We have some listeners in Enid. We have uh, some big supporters up there. Some, uh, let's fix this, members.
1: Well, I hope they support the Enid News and Eagle as much as they support us. Um, this is a great article that's looking at our infrastructure generally, but bridges specifically. So as it turns out, Oklahoma is the third worst state in the country for structurally, oh. defi- structurally deficient bridges. We're not last, although when you, get into, <laughs> when you get into the article, you'll find out that depending on how you measure it, we actually are last. That's pretty abysmal. The
0: other day I was driving on North May Avenue here in Oklahoma City going over I-44 And one of the expansion joints on the bridge between the bridge and the road had come loose and popped up. And so I was the second car to go over it. And it was sticking up probably two feet in the air, like just a big piece of steel. And by the time we came back from the grocery store, there was like a sheriff and a whole city crew blocking off the lane. And as I passed it, you could see that the concrete, several inches of concrete had come loose. And I was like, that's going to be a several day like downtime repair yeah. for a very busy inter- intersection,
1: and I know that's not the only place in the state that's like that. Yeah, and and what this article does is it really gets at like what has happened with decades of one underfunding our infrastructure, and two, one of the things that the legislature has done in the past, including this most recent fiscal year, is borrow money from the highway and transportation budget and use it for other things. Can they do that? They can um, I mean, I don't I don't know where they can or not, but they do.
0: Because <laughs> I thought there was that whole eight year plan, and that money was apportioned, which is like money that off the top that goes before it can be appropriated that goes
1: just to that. I don't know. Can the health department use Ryan White money to... Fair enough. Make payroll? I hear a friend of the pod Juno Melson scratching to get in out there. she is. She's she's making noise. Sorry, everybody. So I would definitely check out this article from Enid News and Eagle, and we'll get a link up for you on the website. I included this next article not because I really wanted to, um, but I just felt like it was a major event in Oklahoma politics this week. And we dedicated a whole episode to it Last fall. Yeah, absolutely. And this is um, really, this is the resignation of Preston Dorflinger from the health department as interim CEO, as well as his resignation from the governor's cabinet um, due to uh, some problems that he's had in the past with domestic violence that surfaced this week. Really some great reporting by the Frontier uh, broke that story. Um, They broke it at
0: 5 o'clock on Monday, right as the vote was coming down on the step-up plan and everyone was kind of reeling from that, and then you looked at Twitter and went, like, "Oh crap, yeah, not this
1: again." If you follow Oklahoma politics on Twitter, uh, Monday your phone was burning through battery pretty quick. <laughs> um, my, seriously, my phone was at twelve percent when I got to class that night. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, like, like uh, it was it, Monday. Monday was a busy day for the uh, for Oklahoma Twitter. Um, Oklahoma politics Twitter, anyway, and then the last article that I've got up here. Um, this is my this is my feel good article of the week. I got this from one of our friends uh, online, uh, Trace Savage, uh, who's editor in chief at Non Doc, had posted this article. He initially did not have the positive feelings about it. I think you can read this article two ways, and you can feel bad about the state of Oklahoma, or you can feel great about it. And I'm choosing, I am choosing Andrew to see that the glass right now. In this article is half full. This is an article from the Washington Post uh, that features a group of high school students traveling to Washington, D.C. to spend a week. Uh, meeting with congressmen, meeting with senators, uh, taking some classes about how politics works, about how government works, seeing the sites. Um, it's kind of a future leaders of America type class. It's Good really and I mean it's honestly it's kind of like what let's fix this would be if it was something that you did like at a club in high school and went to DC. It's like nice. a week long, a week long Capitol Day at the big capital in DC. Are they there this week? or was it in the past? It was last week I think they were there. Man,
0: because what a week this has been. Uh yesterday also with the the shooting down in Florida. I know. Um,
1: Man. Yeah, it's um and it's you know, it's one of those things like we try we try to I think, you know, we try to focus one on what's happening in Oklahoma here on the pod and two, try to avoid you know, taking really strong stands on things one way or the other, but this is just one of those things that's like uh like when you know, people have said it was after Sandy Hook. People have said it was after Vegas. People have said it was after Columbine. But, like, at what point did we as a country decide that this is okay? That, you know, in in one of the most successful, wealthiest, affluent countries in the world, that you can't send your kids to school mm-hmm. knowing that they're going to be safe. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the fun of my, And I'm not trying to get into the politics of guns. Obviously, Oklahoma is a very pro-gun state, and we have a very, like, long, rich heritage of hunting and you know, sportsmanship with firearms. So I'm not trying to get into that. But I mean, that's where we are right now. We've made a decision that we're going to let these things stand rather than even try to yeah. do something about it. And that, and that really does make me sad.
0: Well, that's probably a good place for us to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to do a recap on what's been happening really this week in the Oklahoma legislature. We'll be right back. All right, and we're back now with a uh, friend of the pod, Juno Nelson. The beautiful puppy is in here with us, so she may uh, choose to participate, at least by tapping around on the floor. Scott did just try to get her to bark, but it didn't work. Yeah, I really need to cut her nails. Dude. Solid effort. Hey, don't let her tap dance if she wants to tap dance. Or I think have, she
1: feels pretty. Have someone else cut her nails. Yeah, that's a good idea too. All right, all right, guys. So let's we'll dive right in. We've got our legislative recap here, and again, this is all information that we'll have. Uh, up on the web for you on a blog post in one in one way or another. So major events in the legislature this week. Obviously the big the big thing, really the 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 chief thing that had happened right up until we started the podcast today was the failure to pass the step up plan, House Bill ten thirty three XX. The XX designation on the bill uh, delineates that this was a bill that was part of the second extraordinary session, not regular session. So remember, we're actually running a concurrent legislative session right now we have the second extraordinary session of 2017 that's still trying to wrap up the budget for fiscal year 1718 and then we've got the regular session which gaveled in last week as well 1033 was a bill brought up as part of the special session and it failed on monday in addition to that after the failure of 1033 um, have been new budget proposals from the uh, majority party um, that are dealing with cuts, so they're proposing. I think it's forty million in cuts. Yeah, it's like a point six six percent. Yeah, it's point, uh, across the board. Um, and it's point six six, but that's and you're you're correct on the number, but it's a little bit misleading because it's a point six six budget cut for the year that has to be implemented in the last right. three months of the last quarter. Because they've been spending like normal under the belief that they were going to
0: receive all of this money, and they ain't getting that money. Right. So now it's, they got to cut.
1: What they would have spread out over the year, they got to cut it all here at the end. Right. So it's really about a, It's a two percent cut, and um, it's effectively it's a two percent cut when you when you kind of I guess reverse amortize it and squeeze it all into the last three months. Um, these are cuts that are across the board. So no agency is being held harmless. So these cuts are coming to healthcare, education, transportation, legislative affairs. Every every government department is going to see a cut at this level. Other major events that have happened this week. We're going to get into this in detail in our last segment. But st- just today at two o'clock, the Democratic Caucus had a press conference. Uh, interestingly, they are endorsing the budget plan that has been proposed by State Auditor and Inspector Gary Jones, right. who is also running for governor. We're going to get into the details about what that proposal entails. In our, last segment, in our last segment, but that's kind of the other major event, I would say, of the week that just happened today.
0: Right, yeah, I mean, and Thursday is traditionally kind of the end of the legislative week, which is why we record on Thursdays, because hopefully most all the drama has washed itself of the Capitol during the week. The thing that's, well, another thing that's interesting about this, that uh, Gary Jones put out his plan, he's had a couple of plans, I think, in the last, he had one last year, I don't remember if this one looks like that one or not, I think it's a little bit different, Uh, But he and the recently, we'll say ousted, recently departed Preston Dorthliner from the health department certainly sparred in recent months, um, kind of about their own uh, personal conduct. And Gary Jones was implicating former AG Scott Pruitt, who is now the director of the EPA in Washington.
1: For more information about that, you can go to last week's blog post and see exactly what gary jones has to say about epa administrator oh
0: sweet it. i forgot you put that in there great I'll, I'll quit talking about it then and people can just read that um if the, i just gave you all an errand listeners um so but that really it's like all these things are tied together right all these strings yeah. are connected to the same ball of mess
1: in the middle yeah absolutely did you want to mention the debate yeah so floor debate this week and now this is admittedly not everybody's gonna get into this but if you are if you're a student of politics and you really want to see some like really even a casual observer even if you want to see just some good like West Wing style like great floor debate um go back and watch the video from the floor debate for 1033 and in particular um watch Scott Enman's debate against the measure Democrat from Midwest City formerly the Democratic minority leader and gubernatorial candidate now just Representative Edmund. <laughs> just a guy. <laughs> just just a guy. Um, in favor of the measure, uh, Representative Leslie Osborne from Mustang had a passionate and fiery and honestly, I mean, just a truly outstanding debate um, outlining why she was supporting State uh, House Bill 1033. So I would definitely watch the two of them. Emily Virgin's debate I found particularly poignant mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think, were there any others that... Speaker McCall debated in favor of it, and that was his first time to debate
0: as uh, as speaker. In my personal opinion, he's not a
1: good debater. Yeah, I'm trying to think how can I phrase this? It's probably it is worth watching uh, Speaker McCall debate only because it's such a rare thing. I don't know that it's worth watching because of his rhetorical skill.
0: Politics aside. It was a bad debate, like yeah. just the style, and that doesn't make him a bad legislator. No, that alone. No. Um, Laura, to help me, should I ever have a position where I have to debate on the floor, I'm sure I would be made fun of, and, yeah,
1: and rightly so. Yeah, I'm. I'm not here. I'm not here to say that I am a particularly good debater. I've never debated on the floor of the House of Representatives, but um, it is just interesting when you have, you know, when you have Emily Virgin and her just, you know, very skillful, passionate debate followed by Leslie Osborne and her just skillful and impassioned debate, followed by Scott Inman, whatever else you can say about Representative Inman and his kind of leadership style or legislative style is one of, he's one of the best speakers. So both Um, he and Emily are both attorneys, which probably helps. But to have have that followed by Speaker McCall was kind of a letdown.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it was. Um, Maybe he listens to the podcast at home, makes fun of us. I would feel okay about that.
1: Uh, Speaker McCall? If you do listen, please know that you are invited to come on. Yes, anytime, and we we would we would welcome the opportunity to have you on the pod. You can happily point out in person how many times we say um. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> or absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. All right. All right. So that's probably enough for floor beat. Floor debate. Floor debate. A couple other things. These are just stuff I thought was interesting this week. So the judiciary committee, house judiciary committee met on Wednesday, I believe. Mm-hmm. And they passed uh, by a vote of 13 to six house bill 2632. House bill 2632 is a law that would kind of expand uh, the stand your ground Statute to include houses of worship. Um, so, you know, the stand your ground law is the idea that if someone is, uh, you know, approaching you, like in your house, right? Someone comes mm-hmm. to your house and you feel threatened, you can shoot them. And if you shoot them and kill them in your house, um, you. It's not manslaughter. It's, it's, it's not manslaughter. It's, right. it's not murder. Like you were standing your ground and that's your right. So, this, as I understand it, this bill would extend that protection to houses of worship because is it your home and your workplace now like
0: because there was that one pharmacist that this was his defense yeah but he he was he in lost. jail okay it <laughs> didn't work out so well then <laughs> he's, he's, i retract my he, idea he tried i
1: think it's just your, i think in oklahoma it's just your house because like florida has a stand your ground law like this was the whole this was the whole issue with um Trayvon Martin mm, in Florida, right? Um, was that Florida stand your ground law basically lets you do it anytime? I think I think whatever your ground might be, you right. can stand that. Well, and so the problem that a lot of legislatures had um, with the House Bill twenty six thirty two is that it would make Oklahoma's statute look a lot more like Florida's. So it 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 expands the stand your ground protection to houses of worship, but it doesn't define what a house of worship is. Now, I have not read the legislative language, and the reason is because I'm not a lawyer, so I can't read this and try to you know, envision how this might play out in a court. However, several members of the House Judiciary Committee are lawyers, notably Representative Colin Walkie, uh and Representative Emily Virgin, and they had some major, major problems with the way the language is written in 2632. They're alleging that, essentially, the bill is crafted in such a way that would allow a house of worship to be defined as essentially anywhere so that this would make stand your ground legal in Oklahoma virtually at any location because the person who's trying to use the law to protect them from being charged could say, Oh, well for me sitting in the park is the way that I worship God. Or for me, I worship God going to the movies or for me, I worship God by doing all these other things. And So by failing to define a house of worship, it opens up the opportunity for this to come up in court, and someone use this law as a justification to stand their ground, essentially anywhere. Right. Yeah, that sounds like a bad idea, just off the cuff. That's the that's the kind of the view from thirty thousand feet about what happened in the legislature this week. What do you th- what do you think this all? Means And I guess, you know, that's – as I asked that, it's a hard question to answer because we've had some new developments today.
0: Yeah, so, so I think um, it's bad news bears for our state because we needed that money. And honestly, had 1033 passed, we still needed more money. It was not – it was enough to, like, stop the bleeding, but it wasn't really a healing bill, right? It yeah. would kind of – it yes, it would provide for a teacher pay raise, but it wouldn't give us enough to, like, actually invest in education, It doesn't, it just like, it bumps up one thing while ignoring everything else. And that is disappointing, I think. And the problem is that we've consistently cut almost everything in our state government over and over for about 10 years. And we're certainly not going to make that money up overnight. That would be a hefty pay raise or a hefty tax raise on everybody. But I think there's some things we could do to make it better that are reasonable.
1: You know, one of the things that struck me is during the debate, during the debate in uh, JCAB about uh, 1033 before it came to the floor, uh, Representative Virgin was debating against the measure, uh, and Chairman Wallace, who's the chairman of the House Joint Committee on Appropriation and Budget, um, made the point, because Representative Virgin was saying, you know, this bill, House Bill 1033, really would not do anywhere near enough to address even the budget shortage that we face in fiscal year seventeen, it would bring in seven hundred and eighty-one million dollars in fiscal year eighteen nineteen, but it wouldn't bring in nearly enough to fix the budget shortage we faced in seventeen eighteen. And Chairman Wallace made a comment in response and said, Well, a bill that would fix the budget hole we face for fiscal year seventeen and eighteen in eighteen nineteen would be a two billion dollar revenue bill. Right. It would raise two billion dollars in taxes. And he said, and I quote that's never going to happen. It's an acknowledgment, like that's an acknowledgment by the Republican chair that we are in a 2 billion dollar hole. Right. And there's no plan no, to no, do no, anything no. to
0: actually no, address it. No, 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 because there are certain members in the legislature that don't believe we actually have a revenue problem. We just shuffle it around. We got the money, we just need to use it better, which is true to a degree, but not that degree. The other thing that I said to you, and I'm going to say it on the podcast here even though I have some misgivings about it, is that, theoretically, I'm not saying this is ethical or moral or... Or right, good policy. Or good I know policy. Because you know I, I know where you're going. <laughs> in theory, the Republicans could get together, hatch a plan, come to the Democrats and say, hey guys, we give in, let's raise GPT to 7% and let's do the $1.50 tax on cigarettes, let's do a $0.06 cent fuel t- or let's not do one of those, like they could come up with a plan that leans towards what the democrats want pretty heavily enough to draw them in and get all of their votes and if you could if you could do it in a way that it that it still captures the republicans and the democrats enough to pass it because you need the 75% you could pass that right now in special session you can come back tomorrow or next week in regular session and pass an incentive rate They would effectively lower the tax rate, and you only need 51
1: to do that. And I guarantee they could get 51 Republicans to do that. They don't need any Democrats. Yeah. So they could basically – both sides could claim victory. They could claim that we solved the revenue problem and then immediately created a new one. Right. And I – yes, they could undo
0: the semi-good deed they did. And the problem is most – I'm afraid that most people – wouldn't even notice like most voters wouldn't know if you're listening to this podcast chances are you're more plugged in than most folks and if i you hope listen you, to this podcast you would
1: know exactly what happened
0: <laughs> and i hope you talk to your neighbors in a very cordial way and gradually get them involved draw them in into the let's fix this fold bring them to the Capitol with you next thursday february 22nd for our first Capitol day and help them get involved too beautiful
1: beautiful well shall we take our next break and then come back for our next segment
0: Yes, let's uh, take another quick break. Let's listen to some horns on this break. We'll be right back. Okay, we're back with segment three of Let's Pod This, which Scott has entitled, uh, Can We Have the Bill, Please? Would the real revenue bill please stand up? Nice. So we're gonna take a deeper look at the most interesting bill of the week. And that is, of course, House Bill ten thirty three XX.
1: XX. The Dosa session. Keys. Special session.
0: I do love a Dosa Keys. I prefer the lager with the lime, not the not the amber. Oh yeah, it needs lime. It definitely I has think, the yeah, lime. It needs lime. The most interesting bill in the world. Which is not the case. Oh, but this is not the man, most we interesting missed the boat on that. Anyway, all right, so House Bill ten thirty three Double X. Um it's authored by House Appropriations Chairman Kevin Wallace. Here's the deal about that. All appropriation bills are authored by the Appropriations Chair, which is um, great if you want to champion these. In some cases, like last year with Leslie Osborne, uh, it was pretty well known that she did not endorse these bills, but she had to be the author of them. And so people blame her. And I'm like, man, you know what? She didn't like those bills either, but it's the default.
1: Like, you get that's the double edged sword of being the Appropriations Chair. She sat on the floor. She was like, this is the bill leadership gave me to run. Yeah, I think it's, that's right. I'm not running this bill because this is the way I wrote it. This I'm not running this bill because I like it. I'm running this because this I is have what to, right. the speaker told me I had to do.
0: Speaking of Leslie Osborne, I believe she will be speaking to our group next week
1: at uh, our first Capitol Day. God bless her. She's fantastic.
0: Yeah, I'm hoping to have her and uh, Trey Thompson, who is the... Uh, um, Solid, solid. Yeah, group. he's the uh, uh, director of the Restoration Project. I figured since we're going to be in the building there's lots of new stuff, he should come tell us about it. Delightful. Good friend of the pod. Hi, Trey. Um All right, so this bill, it contained the $1. fifty per pack cigarette fee or uh, actual tax this, this time. Not a fee. A tax. Not a fee, an actual tax. Calling it what it is. Um, it also raised uh, little cigarettes yes. in the Cigarrillos, yes, um, up uh, or little cigars, um, up to the same tax rate. It included a six cent per gallon tax increase on gasoline and diesel. Um, and uh,
1: um, an increased the gross production tax, um, increased
0: on from two to four percent for all wells, wells existing in the future for the first 36 months, and 7% thereafter, they go to seven percent, as it is the case now. And um, it did not include an income tax increase that
1: was in a separate bill right which they didn't even run right right they didn't even so yeah we'll get into that too was that it Did they contain anything else the wind levy so oh, a yeah. dollar uh, dollar per, per megawatt, megawatt generated yeah. by uh wind turbines
0: right and that was really a polarizing thing um uh, uh, like a partisan polarizing thing so anyway so they put the vote up everyone voted right away for the most part and then they just held the vote open for, for like like five and a half hours, five hours, yeah. And at ten o'clock and or nine thirty, they nobody changed. They had a uh, press conference, right? Everyone had press conferences as always. You got to have a good press conference. About nine thirty at night, and they're like, "We'll hold it open until midnight if we have to." There's still a chance this could pass. People, you know, Democrats come back and change. It was Republicans doing, saying this. Democrats come back and change your vote. The Dems, I don't know if they were even in the building. I don't know who was in the building. I wasn't up there. Well, they had a press conference too, and they basically said. No way, no how. Or yeah, they released a statement.
1: Yeah. So basically, the deal was is you know the votes went up. This the the bill was very similar to the A plus package that was within four votes of passage in November. And the big difference the big difference here is that instead of having twenty three Democrats vote for it, there were only ten Democrats that voted for this. And I think that if you ask the Dems why they couldn't get more members on board with this, I think that one they really don't feel like the gross production tax increase to four is high enough. Two, they hate the regressive nature of the income tax, of the uh, cigarette tax. Three, they really, really, really hated the wind levy. They really hated the wind levy. That was a major hang-up for a lot of the Democrats, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of the Democratic caucus. But the other thing was, and you, you kind of hinted at this earlier. This bill did not change income taxes. Um, there are several other revenue bills associated with the Step Up plan, as we've talked about in the four, uh talked about before on the pod. The step-up plan is not a single bill, or it was not a single bill. It's a series of bills that have to be voted on separately. House leadership made very, very clear that if 1033, which is the main revenue package bringing in like 500 and like 550 million dollars next year, mm-hmm. if that did not pass, they were not going to bring up any other revenue yeah, they measures. Said, this is the last it. There's no more options. Nothing better. <clears throat>
0: And which I think they were trying to strong arm the Democrats into saying, you got to vote for this. We're not going to write anything else.
1: And they were true to their word. Right. They did not. The thing that's interesting about that is that part of what motivated some of the Democrats, their opposition to 1033 was in some ways rooted in their opposition to some of the other revenue bills. So one Mm -hmm. of the other revenue bills – well, there were three other revenue bills that capped – Deductions taken by specific industries. So it capped the deduction taken by coal, a deduction taken by railroad industries, and a third bill that capped the deduction that can be taken by renewables. And that one in particular really raised the hackles of a lot of Democrats because it amounts to a a pretty huge tax increase on the renewable energy energy industry. The other thing is that the income tax bill, which is a separate bill, while it would have restored the income earned income tax credit which many Democrats support, it also would have lowered the standard deduction. Now, this is getting a little bit esoteric, or I shouldn't say esoteric, it's getting a little bit in the weeds in terms of policy. But one of the things Step Up was designed to do was give teachers a $5,000 pay raise. That's one of their stated purposes in raising all this money. Teachers still, however, would not be in the top income tax brackets in Oklahoma. Probably most teachers are in families who do not itemize their deductions. So they take the standard deduction when they file their state taxes. So one of the points of opposition for many Democrats was, okay, sure, you're raising their salary by $5,000, but you're paying for it by lowering the standard deduction. So you're raising their salary. You're giving them a raise, right. but at the same time, you're raising their taxes. So I think part of the opposition to 1033 was that many Democrats – they didn't want to vote for 1033 and then be in a position where they felt like they needed to vote for these income tax changes because they felt like it's not robbing Peter to pay Paul, but basically giving Paul some money and then later telling him to give it back. Right. So I think I want to I want to touch on Ben Felder's tweet
0: right now based on that. Um, so Ben Felder, reporter with uh, the Oklahoman um, and uh, good guy, good friend. He had tweeted this morning, pretty early, at 3.49 this morning, um, a a series of tweets, uh, about five tweets, I'm going to read them here because they're they're tweets, they're short, that highlights this issue. And he said, uh, he started by saying, I thought it was a win for Oklahoma City when there were plenty of Uber drivers for my 3 a.m. departure from the airport this morning. Not so much when my driver turned out to be a teacher, putting in a shift before classes start. My driver teaches in Oklahoma City said he's been driving for about four days a week this year on top of teaching. He had a stack of papers that he grades in between trips. He said this week's budget failure was disappointing, but, quote, I also realized my raise was going to be paid for on the back on my back and by the families of my students. And the driver goes on to say, Honestly, I worry a pay raise will be the last investment we see for years in education. I bet they raise in the pay, and then wash their hands of further investment in public school funding, my driver said. Hey, a pay raise would help. I wouldn't drive Uber as much, and that would be great, but it just feels like education is not valued here, at least not for my kids. It was just a really sad, uh, sad series of tweets, and I mean, what are the odds that you leave at four o'clock in the morning and um, and uh, you get a teacher that's driving Uber. That just seems...
1: In in Oklahoma, apparently pretty good.
0: Yeah, but I mean, you know, I don't think even in most places you'd expect that, that someone gets up that early to... I had a teacher in elementary school that delivered newspapers. um, Sure, sure. He and his wife were both
1: teachers, and that was years ago. Um, But still, that's that's a lot of hard work. No, it really is. And I mean, it just... On top of the really hard work of being a teacher. And so, you know, I, I think I have kind of mixed feelings about how this all went down. You know, you and I were texting and tweeting during this whole debate. And, you know, the thing is, I honestly, I honestly can't disagree. I can't disagree with any of the arguments that Dem made about why more of them wouldn't support the bill. I also really wish it had passed, <laughs> you know, yeah. like I have a hard time feeling like the state is in a better situation now that this didn't pass. Um, you know, there's some developments today that we're about to get into that maybe there's some some hope for the future. Um, but it's just so frustrating that like, we keep like, we keep doing like we we did this to ourselves, you know, like the money's there. There's no reason that we're in this dire fiscal circumstance as a state, except that there's, there's not the political will or the political courage to get us out of it, which just, just makes me sad on a daily
0: basis. Yeah. Um, so anyway. it's, I, mean, I understand why people voted both ways. I, I think I understand pretty well the pros and cons of this. And if I guess I'll say if it was me, if I was the one voting, I would have voted for it, yeah. not not like cheering for it, but just yeah. like man, all right, maybe this we we get this, we take it off the table, and we keep fighting for more because you're going to keep fighting regardless. Right. It's not right. like everyone's going
1: to go home. And I think you know, I think that's part of the. I think you know that's part of the Democratic. Um, Kind of hesitation to vote for this as well is I think they really feel like there's one chance, there's one chance to raise significant revenue, and under the best case scenario, this is less than half of what we need. And I think their fear was to support it, you you know, with near unanimity as a caucus, and then try to keep fighting, and all they would hear from the other side is no 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 we solved that problem like we fixed it, we just raised taxes by three quarters of a billion dollars, we're damn sure not going to do it again, so quit yakking about the need for new revenue. So I think that their hope is by not supporting this, that maybe they can get a better deal that puts us on more sure fiscal footing for the long term. I confess, I don't know how likely I think that is, but I think that's their thought process. So that is where we'll end the discussion on House Bill 1033. We're going to take a quick break and come back and talk about some new developments that have happened today that have implications for revenue in the future and then finish hopefully with some lighthearted Twitter recap. We'll be right back. All right, guys. We're back. Got our last segment for you this week. Uh, it's a new segment we call Last Call. It's going to be kind of a roundup my change from week to week may have an interview, may have a discussion of an issue that's, you know, kind of related to Oklahoma politics, but not about a particular bill or particular vote. Um, may just, you know, maybe a game, may have a guest, lightning round of predictions. We'll just kind of see. But it's, uh you know, it's the last call. You never know what you're going to get. This week, we have some late-breaking developments. So House Democrats had a press conference today at 2 p.m. where they uh, appeared with State Auditor Inspector Gary Jones, who is running for governor and endorsed uh, Mr. Jones's uh, budget plan. It's really got three main components. So it would increase gross production taxes to 5% from two where they sit now. It's a $0.75 tax on cigarettes. It is a $0.03 increase on uh, motor fuels um, down from the Mm $0.06 that was proposed by Step Up, and it would keep income taxes uh, flat at 5% where they currently sit. Andy, uh, thoughts on this proposal from the Dems and Gary Jones? It was certainly unexpected. I think this is a partnership or an agreement
0: or a alignment that we didn't expect to see. Um, and I think, I guess, my hunch is that the dims feel like it is it is
1: less good, but also less bad. I don't, and I don't know if that's how to really assess that. I mean, I think you're right. Like, so looking at this, you're like, I mean, I, I mean, my first thought was kind of like. What like what what why <laughs> what <laughs> why um, you know I think things that they, they probably like about it are the five percent tax on GPT you know most it's no secret most of the Dems want seven um, so certainly five is closer to seven than four and they've been pushing hard for five percent in negotiations for months now. Um, the cigarette tax is a little confusing to me. You know, I understand democratic opposition to the cigarette tax. It's kind of regressive by its nature. Most people who smoke are lower income, and Democrats try to avoid raising taxes on low- income people. however, part of the part of the point of a cigarette tax is, to raise to get people to quit smoking and there's you know pretty significant data that shows that you need a dollar per pack or more to really influence smoking cessation behavior so 75 cents a pack is probably not going to do nearly as much as a dollar 50 to change smoking rates in Oklahoma um, which is you know as a doctor and a person i think that that's i think that's, I think that's not very good policy um, on the flip side if people don't quit smoking they keep buying cigarettes and keep paying the tax. So maybe over the long run, there'll be more money in the state coffers. Um, you know, the three cent motor vehicle tax instead of, uh, six cents, you know, I think that's fine. Again. Um, I think they're doing that to try and spare, uh, lower income voters, a six cents per gallon tax on the gasoline that they depend on to get from their, you know, to and from their jobs. And, Homes and these sorts of things. They're projecting that this is would raise over the next fiscal year something like 550, I think 520 million dollars. So it's you know about 250 million dollars less than the step up plan. As part of this, they are also wanting to cap. Uh, they're not wanting to lower the standard deduction. They're wanting to cap itemized deductions um, on income taxes, which would affect high earners more than low earners. And I think they're saying would raise like an additional 100 million. I don't know if that's included in the 500 million plus estimate right. or if that would be 600 million plus. I'm honestly, I'm just not sure. And I don't, is that just for 2019 or is that 2018? I, I think that's I, fiscal year, 18, 19, I think, but I'm I could be wrong. So the next
0: fiscal year yeah. that starts in July, I think yeah. that's the deal right now is that like everyone tosses around numbers. Like the cigarette tax was going to bring in 215 million had it passed last year yeah. and got into effect in yeah. 30 days, Yeah. but it didn't. And so here we are. And so now it's like, well, you could pass a cigarette tax right now, but it wouldn't necessarily go into effect for
1: 90 days. And then that's the end of the fiscal year. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, certainly this was a surprise. <laughs> I knew the Dems were hosting a press conference too. Um There have been some, there have been some kind of backroom talks and negotiations happening all week. You know, we've talked with some people that are, Privy to some of those discussions, and you know, a lot of different proposals have been. You know, I, I think it is important to put out there, even though it doesn't look like a lot has happened, and that's true on the floor. There has been a lot of work being done by a lot of people at the Capitol this week on both sides of the aisle. People are exhausted. I think they're frustrated. Uh, the tensions are running pretty high. Tempers are flaring. There's just there's a lot there's a lot going on. This was not something that I had heard was going to be. This was not something I had heard was going to be on the menu for the Dems, but um, we'll see. I think there have been a couple members of the Republican leadership that have said that they're encouraged by this. Hmm. Um, yeah. They, for, they've said that, that for the next fiscal year, this looks good. They're saying that there's the train has left the station for the current fiscal year right. and that the cuts are happening regardless. I know you and I really don't think that that's necessary. but Right.
0: I mean, I do think, uh, in fact, I was just texting with a member of the legislature um, from House leadership about this and that there are probably some things they could do that would bring about some income, some revenue, maybe not very much, but and that's just because
1: here we are in January or February now, middle of February when we should have passed this stuff last right. May. Right. And it's important to, you know, we we mentioned this earlier, but it's important to kind of think come right out and say it, had they passed step up, step up would not have fixed the current fiscal year. Right. right? Not everything. No matter what happened with Step Up on Monday, they were going to have to use something like $100 in one-time funds to balance the budget for the remainder of the current fiscal year. Yeah. So it's a little puzzling to me that they're saying, oh, well, we can't do anything else because it's not going to bring in enough money. Well, Step Up wasn't going to bring in enough money. Right. right? And to be be clear, I did tweet this a
0: little while ago that I kind of called out um, House leadership and said that you, not that they can't do anything, that they won't do anything, which, as you and I have discussed it here, is... Not
1: entirely accurate, but also not entirely right. inaccurate. You're telling me there's nothing that the legislature could do that would – I mean, the cuts are $40 million. So apparently that's what they need. There's nothing they can do to raise $40 million in the next three months. I mean, we could hold a bake sale. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that's one idea. That's, that's one, a of a good idea. cake, man. So, you know, that's kind of that's kind of the last development of the week. So we'll see how that checks out. Hopefully I have more news for you on that next week. And just to emphasize again, like we – you know, Andy mentioned our capital Day next week. I certainly hope you come – whether you come to Capitol Day or not, if you find yourself with a spare five minutes, I know everybody's, all of us are angry. We're all frustrated. I think the temptation is to get on Twitter, or social media, and lambast these people. But remember, the people that, that these, these are legislators. The legislators are people too. And sometimes it's okay, even if even if your legislature is uh, legislator is somebody that you don't agree with, it's okay to reach out and say, "Hey, thanks for working hard." Like I, I, know, right. like, I know, I know you're putting effort into this because I, pr- I promise you. A lot of them are. Well, and
0: and the flip side of that is that if it was you up there, you know, busting your tail and taking this flack and stuff, rarely is someone all good or all bad, right? Like, it's easy to split them off as one or the other, but yeah. everyone's got their
1: pros and cons and um, need to give them their dues when it's due. The legislature is just a group of people, just like just like your church, just like your office, just like your neighborhood. It's just... It's just a group of people. And people a lot of are people, dynamics so dynamics. What oh, does no. it mean? Oh, dear. All right. All right, on
0: that note, Scott, let's. I'm going to read a few of the OK Ledge Valentines that were out yesterday. I'm going to just snuggle up close to the microphone here.
1: So, if you're uh, on Twitter, what Andy is referencing is yesterday there was uh, a Twitter thread going out uh, with hashtag, hashtag OK Ledge Valentines. Uh, and I think Andy is going to use his sultry tones <laughs> to. Uh, to highlight a few of the few of the
0: choice, read, choice items
1: from, from that.
0: Read some of the most liked tweets with the OK Ledge Valentine's. No. Try to mix in a little romantic. put some, some, Deli- some Delilah on the background. Delilah. But this is like, <laughs> let's fix this. <laughs> Paul Money says, we don't need new love, just audit the love we have. Effie Craven says, don't walkie out on me. I Dunnington know what I'd do without you. That's nice. It's got a couple of names in there. That was that was a solid one. That's, that's one of my good, favorites. That's a good pun. Senator A.J. Griffin says, My love for you will last as long as session feels. That's a long time. Uh, oh, some of these are a little saucy. Uh, Trevor Worthen, If loving you is wrong, I move to suspend the rules. I will say a shout out to Leslie Blair for getting this uh, kicked off for us yesterday I guess she did this last year and so she said should we bring back the OK ledge valentines the one from last year said valentine I don't need a fiscal impact statement to know how much I love you oh she also says my love for you beats like the bells ringing for a vote being left open it's not a romantic
1: sound I also I enjoyed Catherine Sweeney's J-Cab bills and chill Nice. <laughs> nice. There's a million reasons to follow Catherine Sweeney on Twitter, yeah. but her uh, tweets as part of this thread were definitely, definitely up there. Yeah. Uh,
0: friend of the pod and former guest Haley Jones says, My love for you will never signy die. Representative Cindy Munson says, Our love will never stand adjourned. Effie Craven again with the names, My love for you sparks when you mccall me. John
1: Woods. A three-quarters majority requirement won't stop my love for you, Valentine. Nice.
0: My love for you is like budget negotiations in an election year, uncompromising.
1: Molly Fleming, also of the journal record, My love can't be contained in one session. A few people
0: felt a little angry at the legislature and said, My heart is burning like the dumpster fire that is okay Ledge.
1: If loving you is wrong, I move to suspend the rules.
0: Representative Jason Dunnington says, the chair will always see a quorum when it comes to our love. Does that mean you have a committee that's voting on (laughs) you? You make every session special. Let's consolidate our love and make it more efficient. As a hobbyist economist, I do like that one. Representative Josh Cockroft went all in. The negotiations are over. There is no other deal there is no better deal I'm stepping up and loving you if that doesn't work I'll have to cut you that
1: sounds aggressive at the yeah, end I didn't see that I should have read the whole thing first <laughs> I saw that and there, there were several responses to that one They were like um, take it a little far to bring it back Cockroft
0: also said I request unanimous consent that our love be adopted one that I had that I liked this was the, my most liked one on Twitter Was I'd invest in your infrastructure I thought was <laughs> probably a bit of a pickup line more than a Valentine.
1: What's our What's our top one? What's the best one we have so far? What's the best one to end on? Man,
0: the one that I liked the most. I'm trying to find, there were several that were like roses are red, violets are blue, something, something, something. We need right. revenue, right? And um, I liked all of those. Yeah. Sure, I thought those were all pretty
1: good. My personal favorite was Dale Denwald's editing of. Oh the, yes, Dale Denwald's editing of the. Uh, intro to Romeo and Juliet. Oh, here it
0: is. And this is your, your this, retweet this, of To me, this is the best one. Two parties, both alike in dignity, in fair Oklahoma, where we lay our scene. From ancient grudge break to new mutiny, where political blood makes political hands unclean. From forth the fatal loins of these two foes, a pair of star-crossed bills take their life, whose misadventure piteous overthrows. do with their death bury their author's strife, the fearful passage of their death-marked vote, and the continuance of the author's rage, which, but their amendments end, not could remove, is now the four months' traffic of our stage. The which, if you with patient ears attend, what here shall miss, our toil shall strive to mend. So good. That was really good. Hats off to Dale Denwalt at the Oklahoman for
1: that. And with that...
0: We bring our episode to an end.
1: Thanks for tuning in, guys. Uh, we hope to see you next week on April, February the 22nd for our next Capitol Day. I will not be able to be there, but Andrew will be there in all of his glory. We certainly hope you tune in next week for the next episode of Let's Pod This We'll have a recap of the legislative week, uh, some great articles for you to read, talk about what happened at Capitol Day, and uh, maybe a special interview. Yes. So uh, make sure you tune in for that. As always, if you, uh, if you like to pod... Please uh, rate us on iTunes, please subscribe, and please tell your friends.
0: Hello, everyone. Scott and I would like to thank you again for tuning in to this episode of Let's Pod This. Remember, you can connect with us on Twitter and Instagram at Let's Fix This Okay. Scott is at SC Melson, and I'm at AndyOKC. You can also like our Facebook page at facebook.com slash OK. our website is letsfixthisok.org and there you can sign up for our newsletter read our blog find resources and details about upcoming events our podcast is edited and produced by Scott and me and Let's Pod This is a member of the Mostly Harmless Media Network our usual theme music is provided by the Sugar Free All Stars but Today we featured some special music, Smooth Lovin' by Kevin McLeod, from Incompetech.com and it's shared under the Creative Commons license. Let's Fix This is a nonpartisan, nonprofit non-profit organization who strives to educate and equip all Oklahomans to engage with the government. We encourage you to get involved in any way that you can. And remember, decisions are made by those who show up.